and welcome to Gifts of the Weird, and I'm John, your host, and I'm really excited because back with me is Joshua Gillingham. Now, you may remember Joshua from last year when he did a, a Kickstarter for a book called All Thingy, The Crescent and the Northern Star, which was super, super awesome, and uh, along with that was All Thingy, One Will Rise, a fun card game, and so Joshua's back because he's, gonna, he's working on a new, very cool project that we're going to talk about. Uh, Joshua is the designer of the card game All Thingy, One Will Rise, and the author of the saga of Torin Tentries, a fantasy adventure trilogy inspired by the North Myth, Norse myths and Icelandic sagas. <laughs> Try saying that <laughs> fast. <laughs> book one and two, The Gatewatch and The Everspring, are already out, and the third book will be released shortly. Along with Ian Stewart Sharp and Dr. Vidalin, he produced a humorous phrase book called Old Norse for Modern Times. Joshua lives on Vancouver Island, and Joshua, welcome to the podcast again. Thanks so much, John. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here too, because uh, I'm glad you reached out, uh, because I broke open All Thingy. Well, I got All Thingy, One Will Rise, uh, when I got when I backed the Kickstarter last year for yes. the book, Crescent the Northern Star. And it took me a little bit to finally get to it because, you know, game groups were kind of closed down and working a lot and all that stuff. So I didn't really get a chance to actually break it open. But uh, a couple months ago, I pulled it out. I thought, geez, I really need to take a look at this game because we're getting our little game group together again. So uh, we like to play new games. And one of our game group partners is also into Norse mythology and uh, the sagas and those kind of cool games. We've played some really cool tabletop games. So I wanted to unleash All Thingy on him uh, <laughs> and with our group and play that. So I kind of broke it up. And then I get an email from you saying, hey, how you doing? So uh, really serendipitous. That is fantastic. Yeah, it's um, it definitely attracts Viking fans. I have uh, my game group's just getting going again, so I, I love that energy, that feeling of kind of sitting down at the table. I had a friend who I used to uh, play with, but he moved. He's in Minnesota now, and um, uh, he has uh, the board game at his work. He has it out on a shelf for people to borrow if they want to. And he said, like these Minnesotans, they just can't get enough of this game. But obviously, right, Vikings, Minnesota, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, right. anyways, yeah, definitely for the Viking fans out there, I'll think you one more is uh, right up your alley it definitely is and it's also really cool because the vikings that are in the game are also pulled out of your book right i didn't realize that before until i started looking and i was like hey there's torin uh oh my gosh torin the wild who is actually that's one of my favorite stories in all thingy is the story of torin and and then you know odd the cirrus and and Adis, and i was like oh <laughs> Duh. <laughs> you know, it's funny, actually funny story. So it was actually a chicken and egg situation. It was actually the other way around. Like the game came up first and the publisher um, was looking to expand the world. So uh, uh, the game is published through Outland Entertainment. They're um, an outfit out of Kansas. They're great. Um, and uh, uh, they're really big into building worlds. And so they love the game. They love the art. It's got this sort of like really gritty art style. I know you've played it, mm -hmm. so you, you have a sense of it. Um, but it kind of gives a sense of, you know, kind of scraping a living off of uh, uh uh, uh, you know, rocks and ice in, in, in Iceland. And um, so they wanted to build the world out. And so, yeah, the anthology, which came out uh, last year, uh, you'd mentioned uh, that, uh, yeah, you uh, had uh, helped us uh, with the Kickstarter a little bit and you backed it. We super appreciate that. Um, that when the book came out, we invited authors to take these characters, nothing but a sketch and a name. So, yeah, there's like Torn the Wild, there's like Aldecirus, there's Einstein the Unlucky. 
right? And so we, we, we invited authors from all over the world to, uh, to write a story about them, um, kind of in, inspired by a certain theme. But uh, yeah, so it was really cool for me as the game's creator. Um, and, you know, I just kind of threw these names together. Some of them are kind of cheeky references to uh, characters from the Norse myths or from the actual Icelandic sagas. Um, but to see like these like world-class authors, we did, if you like New York Times bestselling, we're talking like really serious, like well-known authors um, writing stories about uh, uh, these characters and just providing these amazing backstories, uh, <laughs> which I, I, I can only imagine enhances playing the game when you know the character's backstory, right? and you're trying to bribe them into your camp and somebody comes after them and is trying to kill them and you're like, you're not going to kill my Viking. So yeah. <laughs> Definitely so. And it's also really cool because uh, I didn't realize that it was kind of that way. So that that must have been really super fun for you because now, like you said, now you have these backstories for these folks. And um, and I do like the artwork. The artwork is fun because they're not all, you know, slim trim and six packs and beautiful. I mean, they have scars and like, uh some are some are very handsome and pretty and some are not so much you know? yeah you know i really wanted to capture a sense of sort of realism like the, the game is like it's about vikings but it's also like got that historical element right so the artist is actually a um a, a, a viking reenactor herself who's really into um you know the fabrication of clothes and uh sort of just those little tiny details and so she did an amazing job as lada shistova um did an amazing job of uh creating art that was uh realistic and characters that really looked like um you know like like people right like uh mm -hmm. not everybody's a supermodel right there's there's some good looking people some not good looking people there's some young people some old people like men women back and forth so um no it was it, it was really cool and it definitely um i think stands out on the the shelf uh even just visually um it's it's not kind of your typical board game right it has it's 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 uh, uh, just visually and uh, mechanically just a little bit different yeah, it is. And thanks for calling out the artist. I was going to ask you too. So you took care of that already because it is a lot of fun art. And I think it would be fun to uh, see a comic or maybe even an animated short with some of this. That would be super cool. Oh, John. <laughs> Project John. in the future. <laughs> are, are you looking in my secret plan files of the whole comic book thing? Shh, don't say anything. Okay, no, no, no. That was, that was uh, yeah, yeah. Keep it under wraps. <laughs> I can't say anymore. I'll just say that. <laughs> hey, I only have five listeners, so no big deal. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so this is fun. And we're, we're talking a lot about uh, the game One Will Rise because your next project, which is what we're, uh, we're, we're here to talk about, and, and a big part is the expansion to All Thingy uh, One Will Rise, which is All Thingy Saga Heroes, isn't it? And yes. uh, that's, so that's why I kind of, because this is just going to be added right into the base game, uh, right? Or are you going to add some new rules or anything like that? So uh, those are some cool things uh, to tell us about. Yeah, correct. So, um, and if you're into playing board games, kind of like I know you've got a board game group, you'll know that oftentimes a game, oftentimes a game will come out, especially on Kickstarter, and uh, you know it'll get funded. There will be people who who love the game, who love kind of the universe, and they'll want more, right? And so, mm -hmm. oftentimes we'll come up with an expansion that sort of builds on the base game. Sometimes it's modular, so you can kind of play with it or without it. Sometimes it really changes the game. Sometimes it just adds to it. Um, with Saga Heroes, it's definitely like it it uh, uh, enriches and deepens the strategic and sort of 
immersive experience of the game. So um, a lot of the elements of Saga Heroes were actually mechanics that I play tested when I was first designing All Thingy One More Rise. Um, but I just decided uh, made the game a little bit too complicated for maybe you know first time players. I was trying to make the game approachable. I wanted it to be nice and lean, right, with not too long of a play time. Um, but uh, now that there's sort of a, a, you know a community of people who love playing this game, I want to offer them more of an experience, right? Um, a, a, a replayability and and a little bit more depth in terms of, of, of history. So uh, first things first, all things Saga Heroes introduces ten new characters. Um, these characters are not fictional, though they are characters out of the actual Icelandic sagas and Norse myths, and so there'll be a lot of recognizable names like Eric the Red and Eagle Skallagrimson and Gretir the Strong. Um, and there may be some that you haven't heard of before, like uh, Cormac the Skald or uh, Hervor or Angantyr the Berserker. And so um, these are all characters um, drawn uh, straight out of actual like historical um, uh, uh, Icelandic sagas and, and sort of Norse epics. And it's a really cool tie into the historical piece of the game because these characters, unlike the base game, um, are actually written about in the sagas, which is which is cool. And you can sort of imagine them being at uh, uh, the All Thing in Iceland, uh, gathering uh, with the other Vikings in the game as the players try to bribe them into their camps. Um, uh, the second thing that is introduced is uh, a feuding system. And if you've ever read an Icelandic saga, you know that these are primarily family histories and always involve some kind of feud, usually between uh, uh, two Vikings, maybe uh, uh, two clans. And it, of course, spills out uh, uh, to include many other people and often spirals out of control. So there's a feuding mechanic that's introduced and players can um, if their rival is sort of uh, uh, agitating them or they want to get revenge for their Viking being killed, they can escalate it to a blood feud. And so um, there's this there's this interesting sort of escalation mechanic there. Um, kinship cards are introduced and kinship is hugely important in the Icelandic sagas. Um, the family connections uh, back then were so important. Icelanders even today are, are, are so um, obsessed with genealogy and relations. Many of them can trace their families back like hundreds and hundreds of years, some even to the original settlers that first came to Iceland around uh, uh, 900 AD, which is wild. Um, I wish I could trace my family history back that far. <laughs> and last but not least, there's a new loot card. And so if you played the game, um, you're a chieftain trying to bribe Vikings to join your camp um, so that you can have more influence and you have loot cards uh, which are uh, treasures and weapons used to bribe Vikings and equip them for fighting. These new loot card, uh, this new loot card that each player gets that was very devious and it has special um, uh, special powers and effects that the other loot cards don't have. So the other loot cards are just sort of number values for strength and influence. This one has uh, two special effects. That sounds really cool. You covered a lot of stuff, so I'm going to try to pick up on a few of the things uh, just so that people uh, can get to it. The game, the base game, uh, and uh, I want to talk a little about the base game because we didn't really talk about it that much on our last episode because um, we really focused on the book, the anthology. Which right, was so we were talking cool. about the anthology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, and, and the book was just like this added, or I mean, the game was this really super added bonus because <laughs> I, I was like, okay, oh, I get a game. All right. Uh, I'm not Sweet. expecting that. So yeah, whatever. This is super. Uh, and and then, then I get it and it's a lot of fun. So, and yeah, it, it the base game, uh, as you said, is not complicated. It's easy to pick up. It took me a, a little bit of a try because I'm a little bit denser sometimes or I tend <laughs> to overthink things where I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I'm doing this right. But really the layout is, is not that hard. Uh, it's a really great game for traveling. I mean, if you're going to be traveling and, uh, 
you have kids or you're, you're traveling companions and you're on a train or a plane or whatever, this is really cool because you can just take it out of the box, put it in a tiny little bag, a drawstring bag or something. You have everything you need. Right 100%, there. 100%. Yeah, yeah. If you're sailing across the Atlantic to Iceland, it's the perfect game to take along. It doesn't take up a lot of space in your cargo hold or anything. And not a lot of weight. And, <laughs> you know, it's uh, so it's a perfect game for and it doesn't take a lot of space either. So um, you could just play it right there uh, on a table or a very small space. So uh, this is really probably a really great design game to go anywhere and to be playable within just a short time. Uh, and it's fun because, uh, and if you happen to read the book um, with the base game, now you have a little bit more, like you said, uh, which is super cool. And now I'm going to, uh, as I play, I'm, I'm going to have my book kind of next to me so I can say, Oh, let me look that up. Um, uh, and, and talk about that. And, and now I like the, the, the playability that you're adding onto it uh, because you're not only just introducing new characters, uh, you're creating a new design, a new element to the game to kind of take it up a, a notch. So it, it's actually really designed to be, it, the new stuff can be played with or without, right? Because uh, it doesn't, the base game isn't uh, permanently changed by the addition of the new uh, expansion. Exactly. And, you know, I wanted to design the expansion to be modular. Um, uh, and this is always a tension as a designer, right? As a designer, you want to create a game with like, you know, a thousand components that takes four hours to play and, you know, all this sort of thing. But players don't always want to sit there for that long, right? So um, you really need to think about, you know, uh, who, who's your audience um, um, uh, and how long do you expect people to play? The longer your game gets, the more narrow your audience gets, right? Um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, you want to consider that, like, you know, not everybody's up for playing, uh, you know, a three-hour game um, uh, and some people love that sort of thing but um, what I was hoping to do with this expansion was to take this this game that like I said it, it's uh, uh, it's it's quick to set up like you said it, it doesn't take a lot of space it's pretty lean there's some fun strategic elements that allow you to just dive into it right away you don't have to spend a ton of time learning how the game works it's it's pretty straightforward um, but um, for people who enjoy um, the game and want a bit more or for those who are maybe used to some of those deeper strategy games I really wanted to add a, a few uh, add a few elements now there's the four um, uh, editions of Saga Heroes. There's the new characters, there's the feuds, there's the kinship, and there are um, these new loot cards are all modular. So you could play with all four of those elements added into the game. You could like pick two of them, you could pick three. And so you can kind of scale the depth and the difficulty um, if you want in a sense, or, the, or maybe the depth of strategy if you want to um, with that, um, which once again, just from a design perspective, kind of allows people to play the game in the way they want to. Well, that's super. <laughs> that's really going to make some versatility with that for sure. Totally. <laughs> you were on such a roll, man. That was great. This is good. We okay. were, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> brains are catching a breath right now. So how did All Thinking, the game, kind of come about in your head? You know, were you just reading in a saga and you thought, oh, this will make a great card game? Or did you sit down and say, I want to create a card game. What am I interested in? Oh, I like the sagas. So I'm going to kind of create something about the all thingy or, or uh, how, how did the impetus of the game kind of get started in Joshua's head? Great question. Great question. Yeah. So I, I mean, I didn't grow up like reading the Icelandic sagas, um, but I did have like some Scandinavian heritage. I knew that my family is from like Norway and Sweden. And um, uh, uh, when I was in university, I had to get an elective credit um, for something. And I thought like, hey, um, you know, I don't really 
need anything related to my degree. I could do something kind of fun. Why don't I take a course in Norwegian? So, so I did. And, uh, uh it was one of basket weaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was either that or basket weaving, you know, tough decision, but oh, okay. I'll speak Norwegian. Um, so, uh, uh, anyway, so it was a ton of fun. Uh, I learned a lot. And one of the things I came across was the, um, uh, section of the university library that had, um, you know, Scandinavian language books. And one of the things that you'll find there, of course, are the Icelandic sagas. And I said, Oh, what are these? Um, now Icelandic is very interesting because it's really, re uh, closely related to old Norse, which is the language that Vikings would have spoken. Now, um, it is so closely related, partly for historical and geographic reasons. Um, uh, uh because Iceland is so, uh, uh, isolated kind of out in the middle of the Atlantic, partly for cultural reasons. And Icelander today can pick up an Icelandic saga, even from, uh, that was written, you know, 800, 900 years ago and can still read it. Which is incredible because if you have ever tried to read like Chaucer or any sort of the, um, uh, you know, old English um, stuff that's coming out from like three, four hundred years ago, it's almost indecipherable. Like like the, English has changed so much as a language um, that it, it almost reads as a separate language, whereas um, Icelandic has, has sort of been preserved. So so that kind of caught my attention. And um uh, but really, what really gripped me was just the characters. Um, they've stood the test of time. These narratives are incredible. Um, they're about men. They're about women um, uh, in a very interesting historical time uh, uh, on the frontier of, uh, you know, a place that um, uh, until the Vikings uh, showed up was practically uninhabited. There's maybe some evidence that some Irish monks had come uh, over to Iceland around 400 AD. But even then, um, they, they didn't stay. They didn't think it was worth trying <laughs> to eke out a living in this land of, you know, volcanoes and and, um, uh, glaciers and ice fields, but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, um, these Vikings who, who came there did. And so, uh, that the characters really intrigued me. I, I ate it up. I, I dusted off that entire shelf because, um, it was not very, uh, uh, very well read or well used. And uh, at some point in time, I just read so many stories that I felt my head was kind of almost exploding with like, uh, you know, these characters and these stories. And I thought, um, at the time I was getting into game design. I thought, you know, how could I capture this in a game? Um, You'll know if you played the game, uh, every Viking card has two values on it. So there's a strength and an influence value. The point of the game is to accrue the most influence. And by uh, uh, gaining influence, um, uh, uh, you become more uh, more powerful chieftain. And so uh, uh, as you bribe Vikings to your camp using loot, um, you, you start to gain this influence. But of course, it's the Viking Age and you're going to have to do some fighting. Uh, so you can also use loot to equip them and boost their strength to fight other Vikings in a ritual battle known as Holmgang. And if you are familiar with Vikings or Viking history, you've probably heard of Holmgang before. Um, they make fun of it in the uh, Scandinavian film board uh, series, uh, North uh, Norsemen. If you've seen that on Netflix, it's hilarious. You should definitely <laughs> watch it. Um, but yeah, so you can challenge other uh, Vikings to home gang. And um, this this uh, uh, sort of tension between trying to recruit influence and then also sort of defend your own followers using the, kind of the strength of their arm and equipping them with weapons um, kind of form the basis for the strategy of the game. And so yeah, it, the, the characters themselves uh, uh, were definitely inspired by the actual Icelandic sagas. And I'm hoping to highlight that more with the Saga Heroes expansion, you know, um, the actual history and maybe even uh, peak uh, players' interest in maybe going and reading a few. Um, they are it can be difficult to, accept, uh, to access, but I've got some tips on where to find some and, and maybe a few stories to start with if you're interested. Um, but yeah, the historical basis was there, and uh, like most creative things, it kind of just took on a life of its own and uh, is what it is today. How long did it take you to get from the initial concept to when you were ready to? get it to a, a, a game printer or print it yourself? 
Great question. So, um, I, and I really went back and forth on this one, whether I wanted to, you know, um, uh, kind of start up my own board game company and publish it that way, or, you know, pitch it to an existing publisher. And, uh, uh in the end, sort of the, uh, the play testing, the design, um, sort of the layout, I did all the graphic design for the game. So like, uh, I didn't draw the pictures. A lot of Shastub was the artist, but I did all the graphic design and layout for the game. Um, all that took about three years, which is pretty quick as far as board game design or just, I mean, publishing design in general is. Um, uh, this, uh, I've had projects that have taken much longer, six, seven years, um, kind of from conception to publication. And this one uh, uh, was about three. So um, there's a lot of playtesting involved for for folks who you know, are not familiar with the process of designing a board game. You don't just kind of think of an idea and then, you know, send it to a publisher. Like there's a lot of, you know, uh, making prototypes and playtesting them and even doing some math on some of the uh, mechanics to make sure it's balanced. And then uh, after a lot of playtesting um, and getting feedback from players putting together your final product so yeah so about three years from kind of conception of the idea of this as a game to kind of holding it in my hands published through outland entertainment yeah and you must have a warehouse filled with index cards that you use for all of these prototypes right (laughs) oh my gosh well the thing is that uh uh, yeah no i definitely have a massive drawer full of like prototyping things and i i design other games i've got a a few other games on the go right now too so i i do cannibalize my prototypes a little bit just because uh you know once once you've kind of uh improved your prototype it's you know you know you want to kind of move forward but but yes there were there were many many prototypes of this one the beginning ones were, were fairly simple and then they started to get more advanced and I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out in fact i think the, the the visual aesthetic of the game is one of the things i'm most proud of it is a really nice visual and like i said earlier i just love how portable and easy it is i can't <laughs> wait to whenever when i go on a the next time i'm on a trip you know i'm going to take this with me just so that i can have something to play while we're on the road or when we get stuck or bored or we're sitting on that beach drinking my ties yes you know. Yes, right next to us <laughs> because because it's a game for two to two to four players. So uh, it's you and your travel companion, or you can engage some new travel companions, meet some friends that way, right on board a cruise ship. You know, say, hey, I got this cool game. Totally. <laughs> Totally. Actually, it's it's funny you mentioned that because recently um, something popped up on my uh, Twitter timeline, and uh, I, it was uh, I got tagged by um, Saga Thing, which is another Viking podcast, and they they had taken the game All Thingy to Thingy Valor, where which is like where the all where the all thing would have happened historically in iceland and they're saying look we're playing uh we're playing all thing in iceland this is awesome so anyways shout out to those guys and uh, yes very very portable um you can take it on on adventures anywhere hot places or cold places well that is really cool you know that's the base game so anyone if you don't have our listeners if you don't have the base game we'll go out and get it right away at outland entertainment they are really cool they and check out all of their other stuff because they have so many cool offerings in addition to this game as well as the all thingy crescent the northern star anthology you need to get that book too the the one thing i love about the anthology joshua is i love that the stories are short just read it for a little while i mean i like regular longer novels like uh, when i get to gatewatch and everspring uh, I like those as well, but it's also nice to have an anthology kind of book where uh, you can just kind of read, get through a story, go to bed. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. And uh, like I said earlier, uh, Torn was one of my favorite stories, but I also love the story of Einstein. Yes. Uh, the unlucky. Yes. <laughs> and I and I was kind of thinking that Einstein would kind of fit into this new play because 
of the um, the feuding aspect of it or the the, the things because you know nobody believed him because of the stories and then we yes. ended up getting <laughs> challenged right by this other guy who's like oh you're lying about this so I'm gonna challenge you oh I'm so glad you you enjoyed it yeah and honestly working on a, an anthology um, along with my co-editor was was just so much fun and I think anthologies maybe get a bad rap sometimes because um, uh, you know in, in some cases anthologies are kind of just like um, you know somebody invites all their friends or whatever to kind of like write stories and they publish it and maybe maybe it's not like um, you know uh, might have a reputation as not being super high quality but like these authors like I'm not kidding you when I say they're like New York Times best, like the one you mentioned, Einstein the Unlucky. That's written by Genevieve Gornicek. She's the author of uh, A Witch's Heart. Um, incredible. Uh, I think it was two years ago she was uh, became a New York Times bestseller. And actually, um, Tom Shippey, who is a scholar of Tolkien stuff, actually did an article in the New York Times for uh, reviewing her book and talking about how much she loved it. So, I mean, these are like world-class authors uh, writing these like incredibly cool stories and the knowledge and the historical background they kind of have in the mythological understanding they have um, is sort of weaved into the stories themselves so yeah yeah very cool and i mean uh, it's very rare you have this like game where it's like and there's also a book and you can kind of just explore the world in a different way too so um, i feel super super lucky to have been able to work on that project and yeah hopefully it offers uh players who love the game just you know work experience it doesn't have to end after the last card falls that's right well let's talk about saga heroes got the kickstarter going um it's been going for a few days or a week now um by the time yes. i get this out and really excited about the the way that it's been going you're getting some good support and tell us about what what's happening with the kickstarter what's coming with it and and let's get let's get into some of these new heroes uh these new characters that you're introducing yeah so with saga heroes of course we've got that we have the new vikings we've got the feuding mechanic we've got the kinship cards and we've got this new loot card and um, i'll maybe start with the loot card because i I personally think it's hilarious and a super fun addition to the game. So with with all the other loot, um, you're basically every loot card has a treasure and a weapon on it, right? And so the treasure helps you bribe Vikings, and those are um, based on historical treasures, right? So there might be a, there's like a copper torque, and there's a silver arm ring, uh, and there's a, you know a, a gold ring that has been sort of like fashioned with like Norse knotwork, right? And then there's weapons, right? So there's like there's like a Viking axe, and there's like a shield, and there's a Viking sword, and so they're they're, they're pretty straightforward in terms of how they play in the base game. This new loot card has no strength or influence value, but rather just has an effect. And so the treasure part of it is spoiled herring. Okay, so herring are fish, right, that uh, the Vikings would have uh, 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 caught at sea. And spoiled herring obviously smell terrible. And so when you play spoiled herring down, what it doesn't count for influence towards a Viking, but it's almost as if you'd slipped spoiled herring into somebody else's loot and you actually get to cancel a loot uh, that another player used to bribe that Viking. So it's, it's a way to cancel somebody else's loot. It's super fun and hilarious when somebody like places the gold ring down one of the most expensive treasures and then you you slip uh, a spoiled herring in and cancel it that's uh it, it's a great feeling for you and they'll probably get you back later so um yeah so that's a ton of fun and then the weapon side of it doesn't actually have a strength value like uh, other weapons like the axe or the or the spear or the sword but it's a uh, henbane extract and so henbane is uh is, is toxic and in a lot of the sagas um there's poisonings probably most famously in uh, volsung saga that talks about Sigurd the dragon slayer right the poisoning of Sinfjotli which is his uncle and other 
characters. So uh, in this one, uh, when you send your Viking to Holmgang, if you equip them with Henbane ex- Extract, no matter how strong or weak your Viking is, they end up poisoning the other player and uh, both Vikings die. So even if you send a really wimpy character like um, uh, Kettle the Rat, is as uh, one influence, one strength. He's the weakest character in the game. You could send him into Holmgang with Henbane extract, and he could uh, end up defeating the Viking. Now, both Vikings end up dying in that case, and you end up uh, taking a bit of a penalty for for acting so cowardly. But it is a way, you know, if there's a bully on the stage uh, of the game, it is a way to sort of knock them down a peg. And they, they always have to know you might slip some poison in with Vikings you equip them, so they have to be a little bit more careful. That's an interesting twist to the game. It's super fun. It's super fun. It's uh, and and like you said, the, the base game. Um, it's a really interesting um, uh, uh, sort of game mechanic. But th- this this really deepens the strategic element of it and offers a lot more options for for gameplay. Another thing I'll mention is the, the feud mechanics. So after your Vikings fight uh, in Home Gang, which we had mentioned previously, um, one is the victor, one is the loser. The the Viking that was defeated dies and is uh, taken by the victor as a uh, face down card worth one influence point at the end of the game. Now, in the base game, there's no way to sort of get back at your rivals or to sort of wreak revenge for your lost Viking. But with feuds, after your Viking is killed, you can declare a feud with the other player and uh, you take a feud card and laid it down. Uh, The next time you fight, the feud can be resolved or if the loser of that engagement decides to escalate the feud, they can escalate it to a blood feud. And of course, many of the sagas uh, feature these blood feuds, which, you know, one one small insult leads to a murder, which leads to another murder and and so on and so forth. And so, uh, and, and there's and there's rewards for winning a feud, either at the, the base stage or at the blood feud stage. So uh, once again, if you're a fan of Icelandic sagas, you know, I say the word feud and you just start nodding, right? It's like, that's a big part of the, the narratives. And I wanted to bring that into the game. That's really stepping it up for sure. <laughs> definitely so yeah that's uh some fun elements too uh just to be taking things up a little bit more and increase i'm sure it increases the play a little bit uh, makes it a little bit more especially if you've got more than two players if you're up up to four uh, then then it makes it a little bit more interesting when you've got more people to uh, challenge. Yeah, as a designer, I'm really cognizant of the fact that, like, you know, a game like All Thingy One Rise is the type of game where one player wins. But as a game designer, you have to like keep in mind, like, everybody has to have fun, even if you don't win, you still have to have fun. So there have to be things in the game, kind of built into the game, that you can do that are still enjoyable, right? And so, and it's surprising the game sometimes the the leader early on does not end up being the winner, which is which is super surprising. So, but also to me reflects the fact it's it's a well balanced game because um, you know players can kind of come back but yeah despite the fact even if you don't win there's still a bunch of fun things you can do and it is super fun to start a feud with somebody especially if they've got a good sense of humor and you can kind of ham it up a little bit and uh, and go back and forth so just offering those you know mechanical elements to players to, to play around with but also you know letting them find ways to work that into the narrative of the game right they're this chieftain and they can kind of decide how things play out uh, almost like an rpg in a sense but uh, uh you know kind of inviting them into the world all right, so let, I think we're up to learning about some of these characters, right? Let's do it. Okay, finally, yeah. the Saga of Heroes. Yes. Yeah, that's what um, we're here yeah. for. This is what we're here for. Um, John, stop asking me questions about this game. <laughs> about these characters. I want to talk about the Saga Heroes. Yeah, I, and you know what? Um, you know, I could go on and on, so I won't, but I, I will just like really quickly highlight a few of the characters that are featured in the game. And so if you um, have never read an Icelandic Saga, I'll give you a little bit of context. So the Icelandic Sagas are, are primarily family histories, typically written about um, a particular individual. They can be a, a, li- a different style of story. So 
they might, um, you know, the first time you read one, you might be a little bit sort of disoriented. But once you get into them, they're 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 really fascinating tales of just you know um, uh, uh, these adventurous, uh, uh, sort of cunning, passionate that uh, you know uh, individuals who who find themselves in this really unique historical situation. So I'll start with the obvious one. Okay, uh, Leif Erikson. So Leif Erikson is one of the um, is one of the characters in the Saga Heroes expansion. And so you can bribe him to join your camp. And Leif Erikson is a really interesting guy. He ends up, uh, uh, he starts out in Norway. He murders somebody uh, murders somebody and gets outlawed. Um, he has to flee Norway then. He ends up in Iceland. Guess what? He murders somebody else and gets outlawed in Iceland and uh, famously ends up going to Greenland. And because of him that we have the name Greenland. And this is marketing 101 from, you know, a thousand years ago. He was saying, you know, if I call it Greenland, people are going to want to come and join me. And so... Greenland is not very green, in case you didn't know. But uh, anyway, so he goes to Greenland and starts uh, one of the largest Viking settlements in Greenland. And so he's one of the characters you can play. And of course, his son, Eric the Red's son, Leif Erikson, is the one who uh, is sort of credited with sailing to North America. And the Vikings called it Vinland, which uh, means wine land. According to the sagas, they saw grape vines when they landed and sort of declared, wow, this is a paradise full of grape leaves. And there is a saga called Vinland Saga, which uh, recounts the adventures of these of, of these people in uh, in North America, these Vikings who had, had traveled. Now, for a long time, Vinland Saga was actually thought to be a fiction. And the discovery of the um, archaeological evidence at Lonsal Meadows in uh, Newfoundland here in Canada was a big factor in revealing that um, that uh, many aspects of the saga may have been true. Now, there's some mythological uh, elements of the saga that are obviously um, sort of fall more into the realm of fantasy. But um, uh, especially in the last 30 years, as our archaeological approaches have improved, we've realized that more and more that a lot of the things that happen in these sagas are are quite likely to have actually happened historically, which is cool. So we got Leif Erikson, we've got Eric the Red. Uh, another character related to um, that family in that saga is Gudrid Far Traveler. Now, Gudrid Far Traveler was a woman who ended up marrying one of Leif Erikson's brothers. And unfortunately, he dies, but she does end up traveling to the New World, and she's part of this Vinland saga traveling there. And particularly unique to her is that she is pregnant while on the voyage and actually has her son while they are in Vinland, according to the saga. And so um, this is a really interesting, you know, just narrative fact, but also the fact that, you know, a, you know, a Viking woman had traveled across the sea while she's pregnant. She has this uh, child in North America as, as they land and as they're as they're living there for for the short time that they do end up residing there is, is pretty cool. And so she's one of the characters that's, uh, that's featured as well. I'm going to touch really quickly on, on, on one or two more. So we've got uh, a few more fun ones. Cormac the Skald. And uh, Cormac's saga is one of the lesser known sagas. He's a, he's a really interesting character. He's a bit of a, a bit of a womanizer. Uh, he loves to write poetry. Uh, he's also very stubborn and gets himself in a lot of trouble. So uh, there's a few sort of, uh, you know, story elements of, of sagas that end up popping up in his story. So there's a cursed sword or a magic sword with a curse on it. And of course, he doesn't listen to the curse and he triggers it. There are some magic elements. He travels far and abroad. And of course, there's a nice healthy feud with a Viking named Holmgang Bursi over uh, the woman he loves. And so Cormac the Skald uh, is featured. And one more I will uh, talk about is uh, Angantir, the Berserker. Before you go on, I yes. read Cormac thanks to you. Uh, oh, fantastic. I found, I found so, a copy of it. It was very interesting. And we're not going to talk about the woman he loves. We want people to read the story to find out, right? We so, do. Yes, we do. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, there was this huge feud between him and that other guy. And uh, it lasted for a long time, it seemed. 
Oh, 100%. And, and you know what? The, the, the scale of these things is epic. I mean, it's not a story that happens over the course of like, you know, two or three years. It's like, these are, these are stories of lifetimes, right? Like, like it's, it's from, they, they typically start from when the person is born all the way until, of course, their inevitable death. So, and, and typically the saga deaths are, are fairly, are fairly epic and satisfying at the end, if not maybe a bit tragic. Absolutely. So yeah, that was, that was really interesting. I, I didn't find the far traveler yet for Gudrun the far. Can I mention that one really quick? Uh, so Nancy Marie Brown is an incredible, incredible writer. She's got a few books out um, about uh, Norse mythology and um, uh, Norse history. And so she writes a book, uh, highlights uh, far more about Githrid than, than the sagas mentioned. So there's other other sources and uh, sort of archaeological evidence and a bit of uh, historical speculation she sort of draws on to fill in um, Gudrid's story. And, and she's just this incredible, incredible woman. One little excerpt I'll, I'll share. So I already mentioned that she uh, has a child while they're in Vinland or North America uh, as we would know it. And uh, at one point in time, the people that come into contact with her at first, things are peaceful, but things sort of start to sour and their camp gets attacked. And in the midst of the camp being attacked, she's breastfeeding her child or something similar. And as the attackers come up, she sees this and she picks up a sword. And so she's bare breasted and she starts beating her chest and like making these, these noises. And, and they're, they're so shocked by this. They, according to the saga, they, they, they sort of, they, they back off and they say, we're, we're not getting anywhere near that lady. She's way too scary. And so, I mean, like that's, that's just sort of like the tip of the iceberg in terms of, uh, you know, her incredible uh, journey and her incredible story. So yeah, it's Far Traveler by Nancy Marie Brown is a book that sort of dives into Gudrid's history and background. Definitely worth checking out. All right. So who's, who's the last person you're going to talk about? Excellent. So like I said, there's many saga heroes, 10 of them that are added to the story. The last one I'm going to mention is Angantyr the Berserker. And so um, I, I love Angantyr. He's just your classic villain, right? Nothing redeemable about him. He's just just brutal, right? He's like, um, you know, killing people, abducting people, all that sort of thing. And he's got this magic sword called Tirfeng. And uh, Tirfeng, uh, if you've read fantasy, often pops up. In fact, in my novel, uh, The Everspring, which is the second book of the Saga of Torn Tentries, you'll notice that reference does pop up in that book. But Tirfeng is this uh, an incredible magic sword that uh, can never be defeated, but it has sort of a curse on it. And the curse is this, is that uh, if you draw it and you don't draw blood, so if you don't uh, you know, kill somebody when you, when you draw it, it will end up destroying you. And so uh, there's this interesting curse. And um, the the sword Tirfeng ends up, and the character of uh, Angantyr actually end up uh, in several different sagas popping up. So you see uh, Angantyr is a part of uh, Saga of Hydric the Wise. It's a part of Arrowod's saga and uh, and several other stories. So, so Angantyr is this big kind of beefy bad guy and you can uh, bribe him to join your camp and then use him to bash all the other Vikings, uh, mm-hmm. which is a ton of fun. I, I bet it is, especially when you got someone <laughs> like him on your side. Exactly. Well, what kind of loot is it going to take to get him to sway over? That's 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 another question for sure. Great question. Well, yeah. So in and the saga heroes, they're they're not just regular Vikings, right? And so all the saga heroes either have epic strength or they have legendary influence. And so the influence and strength values of the saga hero characters are higher than any of the characters in the base game. So that's that's another draw too. If you're um, if you've played the base game, you know the maximum value is five, and uh, these characters all have either an influence of six or a strength of six. Uh, and so there's there's kind of a balance there with characters that um, kind of bring extra strength to the game and characters that bring extra influence. Yeah, it's really going to up the game a little bit. So uh, mechanics question, does the expansion come with more loot cards to, or are you playing with the same as in the base game? 
Yep. So you play with the same ones that are in the base game, and then the one that gets added is the um, is is that uh, sort of devious loot card, um, yeah. uh, spoiled herring and a henbane extract. And it's amazing how much that one card can change the game. And in fact, I'd say the biggest change to the game overall actually comes from that one card just in terms of seeing this game on the table and the expansion that that game really changes the dynamic and deepens the strategy like to a whole new level so when we get these new characters are you going to reference to where the sagas come from so that people can find them that's a great question so every character like either has their own saga or is like very prominently featured in a saga so any of the cards that you look up if you just like google search them like you'll find a reference to their saga now unfortunately some of these are a little bit hard to get at and i did actually like i wanted to um uh, share with you the saga of Arrowod, which is one of the characters uh, which is this literally would make the best hollywood epic action thriller of all time but i i couldn't find a, an online version of it i i have a print version of it it's a translation from the 1970s which is absolutely fantastic but uh yeah so um uh, you can definitely learn more about the characters online and you just yeah search their name they are actual historical saga figures you'll find their saga and the artwork for the new characters is it from the same artists so yes Lada Shistova did do the character art for this new expansion as well which I'm so glad because I really wanted to keep with the aesthetic sort of that sort of gritty feel and uh, make it the expansion feel as if it's fully part of the base game which which it, it totally sort of not only mechanically fits but also stylistically and art wise fits too I really do love, love these these cards and the artwork on it. Uh, they are really super cool. Yeah, I was super glad that she was excited to continue to work on the project together. It's um, you know, I've worked with uh, several different artists on different projects, which uh, have been great. But uh, she's been like so so like just wants to be part of the conversation in terms of the design. Uh, has all this interesting knowledge based on her sort of reenactment experience, and it's just totally has sort of like a vision for 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 what I wanted for the game. It's perfect. It really is. <laughs> well. I will maybe just do one more little shout out if that's cool. Um, Absolutely. So uh, as I was said, the All Thingy ver- uh, universe is expanding. There's a few things I can't talk about quite yet, but there is one upcoming project that I can talk about past the Saga Heroes expansion. Now you mentioned the anthology. One of the stories in the anthology is about Gita the Grim, and it was written by Caitlin Felix. And she is working on it and has just about finished as we talk the first draft of a full novelization of Gita's story, which starts with the um, the short story included in the anthology as sort of a prologue, and then continues her story because at the end of her story, uh, she's just killed the son of one of the Jarls. She's going to be wanted for murder, and she sort of is sailing off. Don't want to create any spoilers, but I want to get you excited about this novel. So, you know, where does Gita go? What happens afterwards? The novel is Rand's Daughters. It's slated for publication in 2023, and it is written by the one, the only... Caitlin Felix. And um, I've been uh, lucky to serve as editor on the project. And so uh, I've been reading the drafts and, and working with Katie to bring the, the story to life. And she has just done an incredible job of uh, just immersing herself in this world, bringing us uh, in, into Gita's life and, uh, and her adventure. And it's, and it's, it's, it's fast paced. It's, it's action packed and Gita just does not give a damn and will, will do what she needs to do to get what she wants. So it's, it's a really uh, entertaining story. That's really exciting. I can't wait for that to come out. I'm super excited. I feel a little bit like Geppetto in like, you know, the Pinocchio story where you're like, you're making these sort of just like little wooden uh, characters. But now, you know, these authors have given these backstories and Katie especially has just brought this character to life. Like it almost feels like a, like a person I know now. So yeah, it is, it is really wild. And, and you get to be the editor on the book. So you get to watch it unfold. Uh, so totally. 
It to- it, it's it's wild. I, I kind of look back sometimes. I'm like, how how did I end up here? How did this happen? But I just don't ask too many questions. I just sort of like, yeah, I'm I'm super super grateful for uh, for all the things I've been able to be involved with, and I'm looking forward to uh, what's coming next. And there are other exciting things coming next, which maybe we can talk about next time. Absolutely. I hope you'll <laughs> I hope you'll uh, let me know about it so we can. I think our I think listeners would love to find out more about this type of stuff we need things to keep to tell stories and we need to keep telling these stories and creating these stories and creating these characters because they just keep living in our our hearts and minds love it Um, i love it hey so tell us you were just recently at a big gaming convention in canada there yes i was at shucks in vancouver had an awesome time uh got to meet lots of fans uh there's 20 there's 2500 people uh registered for the event and over the four they saw almost seven thousand people come through the convention center um throughout the whole weekend so yeah um i was able to go with a buddy we set up a, a stall on indie app um yeah, i'm just like a designer i'm not like a you know like a full-scale publisher myself so uh, but i had a table there i was able to do some signings uh so lots of games so lots of play mats there's a this like really premium like neoprene play mat you can get that sort of lays out where the cards go and kind of gives uh, your table a little bit more of an epic feel when you're playing the game the anthology of course too so yeah i had a great time there and uh look forward to yeah doing more events as things continue to open up and, and the opportunities arise well i'm glad you had a great time there and and since it happens every year then hopefully somebody else can go there next time and we'll see what other great things that you are having in the pipeline Yes, yes. Maybe then I can tell all these secrets. <laughs> but uh, one thing I was hoping to mention, John, if you don't mind at the end, is um, if anybody's uh, sort of interested in like, what are these Icelandic sagas? I'd love to read some. There's a great, great website I'd love to recommend that has versions of these sagas. And they actually, it's really cool because they'll they'll have them in um, uh, Norwegian, Swedish, Danish, Icelandic, and English. And some sagas are only available in Icelandic. Some are available in like Icelandic, Swedish, and Danish. Fair number of them also have an English uh, uh, option for them. And the website is uh, super easy. It's saga, so S-A-G-A-D-B, as in database, so sagadb.org. And uh, uh, you can explore all sorts of uh, uh, Icelandic sagas that are, are there, as well as some of the Norse epics that uh, uh, end up sort of weaving their way in and out of the Icelandic sagas at times and at other times are kind of their own standalone stories. But yeah, sagadb.org, totally free. Go check it out. If you read or speak any of the Scandinavian languages too, you can play around with reading those in Swedish or in Icelandic, which is, which is even more epic. But uh, yeah, check it out. That sounds great. Thanks for that reference. And we'll definitely have links to that in the show notes and uh, encouraging folks to pick up All Thingy One Will Rise and All Thingy, the Crescent of the Northern Star Anthology from Outland Entertainment. Also um, pick up the first two books of Saga of the Torn Ten Trees. What's the publisher for that? Um, that is Crow's Nest Books. It's a, it's a Canadian publisher. So yeah, crowsnestbooks.com. You can check out their website. They've got lots of cool, they, they, they call themselves, uh, it's innovative fiction. And so uh, they, they do some really cool sci-fi. Um, I'm kind of the, one of their first fantasy um, authors. They're branching out there, but uh, uh, some very cool stuff. Uh, and if, you know, if you're interested in picking up the game, there's no better time than right now because the Kickstarter for Saga Heroes is live 
right now and there is a killer deal where you can get any combination of the base game the expansion the anthology and then the premium components like the neoprene playmat uh, at different backing levels and so if you already have the base game you can add the expansion or the anthology if you don't have any of them you can get them all as a package and price wise uh, you will not be able to beat it like in store it'll be more expensive than the, than the kickstarter so if it's of interest to you and uh, you love vikings and you got to have that on your game shelf uh, go check out the kickstarter right now uh, it's for uh, saga heroes and i'm sure there'll be a link here absolutely we'll have a link <laughs> and uh boy it's gonna be kind of tempting to me not to get the whole package but uh, <laughs> i already have the base game so of course i've already backed you so fantastic um, fantastic and uh yeah i do encourage folks to uh to back uh if you don't have the game yet then back the whole pack you won't be disappointed because uh i've really enjoyed both the game and the book and i've also enjoyed you joshua i mean this has been great chatting with you and learning about this learning i love the behind the scenes kind of stuff that's oh. that's really so much fun for me so so glad to be back so glad to chat with you again here this is great yeah we're, we're gonna have you back again so uh thanks again and good success on the kickstarter because we know it's going to be a uh, awesome time thank you so much as the norwegians say tusen talk a thousand thanks thanks so much john thank you for listening please have a look at the show notes for links and well notes podcast is available from podbean itunes spotify stitcher google play and other podcast catchers feedback and reviews are greatly appreciated please follow me on instagram and twitter at at weird gifts one and on facebook at, at gifts of the weird and email me at gifts of the weird.com thanks and have a great day Strong.